Chapter six of From Sunrise Land Letters from Japan by Amy Carmichael. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter six Across Japan by Kuruma. The pride of the height, the clear firmament, the beauty of heaven with his glorious show. Great is the Lord that made it. The Apocrypha. All upon this earth is broken beauty. Dr. Bonar. The others have gone to Mount Heizan near Kyoto. Tisan and I are waiting for a few days longer, for we are anxious about our old friend. A low fever has set in, his relations press for the use of charms, etc. He is too weak to resist and clings to us. Also, we cannot bear to leave him until we feel he understands about salvation, and he does not yet. The native Christians are helping together by prayer. Some, we hope, will visit him when we have to go. Today we had a talk about prayer. His questions were intelligent. He was struck by the fact that our God is always ready to listen and needs no hand-clap, no gong, no offering. He is reading the New Testament now. May the entrance of his word give light. July 23rd. Keswick Sunday. How I am with you in spirit and I sing even now, as you will on Saturday next, set on fire our heart's devotion with the love of thy dear name, till o'er every land and ocean lips and lives thy cross proclaim. Fix our eyes on thy returning, keeping watch till thou shalt come, loins well girt, lamps brightly burning. Then, Lord, take thy servants home. We left Matsya on Thursday. The Christians assembled and bowed us off, and we started happily, trusting that our purpose in waiting was accomplished, our old friend understands and we think believes. It is such a rest to leave him with God. One needs to learn the lesson of confidence in his power to keep that which we have committed to him against that day, irrespective quite of our power to do anything towards guarding it. Very often the word seems to be hands off, and we can do nothing, literally nothing, but pray and trust. And now here we are crossing Japan by Kuruma, the first stage was tiring, the first night restless. Heat and things combined in keeping us wakeful till it was almost time to rise, and then an honorable morning is assured us that three o'clock had come, which was the hour fixed for our start. Our men must not be kept waiting, it is not easy to run in the heat of the day. So we struggled up, breakfasted upon cold rice and eggs, which perhaps remotely were young, and departed. Our way lay among the hills. Evening found us in a narrow valley threaded by a river and closed in by wooded heights. Sometimes, where a sudden turn hid the moon from us, we seemed engulfed in gloom, but it always opened into a way wherefrom I learned much. There were sharp curves bending round rocky walls and boulders blocking the path. Once in the depth of a ravine, a band of coolies carrying bundles slung to bamboo poles and swinging paper lanterns met us. We drew up close to the side, and they passed on single file, each with a word of apology, to which our men responded pleasantly. The flash of old-world courtesy, the glimmering globe-lights, the flow of the rapid river, the faint fair moonshine, the darkness beyond, starred here and there with pale green firefly showers. It was all so strange and new. One seemed as if carried on in some swift dream. When we reached the village where we were to sleep, we were shown into a room opening off the street, wherein were a dusty old model of a Shinto temple, 
and a whole row of gods and prayer papers but the people seemed very poor and nothing could be had to eat save rice cold and sticky and dried flying fish all skin and bone and heads and tails i had forgotten to bring tea and the other foreign comforts we usually carry but a little bread i fortunately had and so we suppered somehow and survived a little crowd gathered even though it was late and watched us curiously foreigners were rare here it was not one of the customary halts when we knelt to ask a blessing a murmur of wonder ran round we had our backs turned to the idols to whom could we be praying Tisan told them and we gave them books they had never heard before remembering last night's experience i slept on the bare mats and at two o'clock we were up and off for a rice field round the corner offered malaria gratis and no breakfast was to be had ten miles further on we found ourselves where rice and eggs were obtainable and by noon we reached a gem-like place set in hills and pine woods i lived in the river that afternoon it was too hot anywhere else our kind little innkeeper was much concerned and seemed to think drowning the least of the possible ills i was courting but nothing happened she was a funny old lady when we paid her small charge she tendered part of it back saying condescended a little part of your honourable cake deign to sell you should have seen her face when she received a remnant of the dried-up crust plus the cash a ride through splendid pine woods brought us to our present resting-place where we are spending a quiet sunday there are temples all round us and one is so close that as i lay awake last night i could hear them chanting prayers the head priest's voice leading the others responding a matsuriya is going on in honour of some god the houses are decorated with bamboo branches flags and lanterns the bridges crossing the river are hung with lanterns too and the water sparkles back in broken crimson flashes it is all very pretty but very very sad it is almost time for your yearly communion at st john's keswick this time last year we were together there now how different one's surroundings are instead of crowds of christians there are crowds of heathen does not that fact suggest a possible scattering upon the part of the great home band instead of hymns full of glory to thee for all the grace i have not tasted yet one hears the weary dreary meaningless chant and knows that to priest and worshipper to the careless throng passing all day long to the little child and the old man there is nothing to look forward to save the certain drop of the curtain and beyond the uncertain hereafter will you not think of these far-away ones will you not care for them too for my own part i never cease to rejoice that god has appointed me to such an office people talk of the sacrifice it is emphatically no sacrifice so wrote dr livingstone and though very humbly so write i the sacrifice is on the home side our hardest part is the thought of yours for ah the master is so fair his smile so sweet to banished men that they who meet it unaware can never rest on earth again and they who see him risen afar on god's right hand to welcome them forgetful stand of home and land desiring fair jerusalem monday morning one of our kurumas has broken down and while they mend it i talk to you whereupon observers gather one under pretext of fanning me has come close behind and peers over one sits beside me and passes remarks some stand in front and talk to each other about it 
they cannot understand it in turning over my basket to get pencil and paper a photo was discovered delight and amazement knew no bounds wonderful charming who was it ah they perceived the family likeness and so on question and interjection ad infinitum noontide rest in a little hotel and dinner in course of preparation i wonder what it will be some ghastly skinned cuttlefish hang near the door and cucumbers outside portions repose in a bowl of water the inside which we prefer is not in favour here enter the trays rice of course plentiful and good pickled plums sugared fish not cuddles mercifully a creature with eyes in a bowl of soup vinegar in a tumbler chopsticks here come our kuruma men on bended knee may they worship my honourable picture that is presumed to lift adoring glances to it so it is on view again and through the hanging blinds i can see quite a collection of admirers gathered under the spreading vine trained so as to shade from the burning sun it is over one hundred degrees now in this cool room the mountain a hot train journey to kobe a hotter night in the christian native hotel more of the melting train to kyoto thence to the mountain foot by kuruma a weary climb up a rough steep path and at last the camp there loving welcomes awaited me for our party had long since gathered and settled down gypsy fashion in tents pitched upon clearings in the cryptomeria forest all were deeply interested in hearing about our old man and the lord's great grace we praised him together for it arima august eleventh we have come here for the missionary conference the journey over the hills was another of the all things he giveth us richly to enjoy for nature the old nurse took the child upon her knee saying here is a story-book thy father hath written for thee down the mountainside in a congo here is a rough sketch of one i wish you could see it all with me we started in early dawn the valley wrapped in its dream clouds lay sleeping still the heights above were swathed like babes in their christening robes the fairies had been at work powdering diamonds upon bush blade and fern wearing veils of silver filigree over the waterfalls bathing the woodland in beauty above us the boughs of cryptomeria and pine interlaced like the roof of some mighty cathedral underfoot their sweet-scented red-brown needles carpeted the path soon the fleecy mist-wreaths rolled up and floated away the mountain peaks pointed up into crystal blue and the sky in these altitudes is something beyond power of simile a thing you look through not at then the sound of life and laughter from the hamlet in the valley rose and mingled with the semi's cry and so the world awoke by train from kyoto an undelectable midday experience in august heat and once more by congo two thousand five hundred feet up and over the hills to arima the views were fine the wide green rice flats merging into wide blue sea flats and far away purple islands hanging half in sky and half in water then the sun set and the whole was flooded with wonderful glories of colour and gold but the blight was upon it all for idle shrines claimed the choicest spots and spoke of jehovah's dishonour it was as if a dark spirit had flown across the landscape touching its life into death throwing the mountains into shadow staining the new-born bud leaving its mark on the frond curl everywhere marring all things oh may god who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness 
so shine through us now that something of him may be seen and felt by the people pressing around us some of us have been reading the life of mrs booth such a book is an inspiration it reminds one of carlyle's terse way of putting things the nakedest savagest reality i say is preferable to any semblance however dignified truth in the inward parts and fearless truth speaking that is our need today august thirteenth it is late almost midnight but an idle fete is in progress and sleep is impossible through the trees we can see the crimson glow of hundreds of paper lanterns swinging from bough to bough and gable to gable in long chains of light a wild fantastic dance has been going on men masked and painted taking part now it is over and the noisy throng is breaking up an hour ago i went up the narrow lane which leads to the temple square and passing among the crowd of eager watchers reached unobserved the shrine of honour a new god has been made to-day a new temple dedicated a god of health he is who will heal the sick before him lie piles of fruit and cake on either side are flowers the sacred lotus with its delicate pink blossom and tall lilies pure and fair below are the gongs of praise hung with rosaries before one just then knelt a man striking it bowing clapping praying in weariest reiteration unheeding the constant passers to and fro only one word i can catch over and over again it is repeated please 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 sitting down on the wide low steps i looked long looked till the scene was burnt upon my very soul would that i could dip my pen in the liquid fire and burn it upon yours the little temple festooned with ruby light its panelled ceiling richly dight its delicate carvings fair flowers rich colours its lavishment of beauty deeper still its intensity of sadness the scores of candles flickering upon those useless offerings the fumes of incense rising aimlessly the fearsome god of hell wrapped in his glowing flames and deeper deeper still its utter hopelessness how many a suffering one will pray long and vainly for the cure which will not come how many will turn away heartsick with hope deferred at last there was silence the pleader turned and looked at me longing to give him even a crumb i said the one true god loves you he pointed to the idols how many there were of them in that one small shrine and looked inquiringly oh to be able to explain quickly slipping through the crowd which had gathered closer now i sped to our lodgings got some books and returned evidently expecting some result from the sudden flight he was waiting still very gladly and with many thanks the little booklets were accepted priests and people sitting down before their idols to read them then and there one could do nothing more but it was hard to leave them so the Ottoman people may have heard more or less but there were many gathered here from the country round who perhaps had never once heard of the saviour who bare our sicknesses the missionary conference is just over there have been a number of friends from china and awful news they have brought us of sorrow and death may god comfort the bereaved ones in faraway sweden and once more may the blood of the martyrs be the seed of the church soon after we arrived here we found that some were longing for a fuller consecration than they had known as yet while others most of them earnest workers from china were seeking the filling of the holy spirit 
the little meetings held morning by morning in our lodgings were very solemn as one after another confessed failure and heart need and claimed his cleansing and deliverance all week he kept us at the point of full surrender but yesterday evening a time some of us will never forget was given when he drew near and to some was given in a fresh deep sense the gift of pentecost since then a letter has come from a missionary of many years standing at whose feet i sit in spirit well i remember my faithless shivers when she so much one senior began to attend our little meeting she tells how for years she had been longing for some unknown something her work had often been drudgery and it was almost resultless now she has found out the reason she had never tarried at jerusalem her letter finishes with such glad praise to him praise him indeed we have come back to the mountain of chilly heights and the event of the week has taken place our mail has come in oh the bliss that means for us shakespeare put it just right when he said absence from those we love is self from self a deadly banishment and now a blue-clad figure carrying a large set of cases one fitting into the other wrapped up in a green cloth appears upon the scene and claims attention he is an ex-buddhist priest and he sells curios these always remind me of you for you would so enjoy the artistic gems he unwraps from their folds of yellow muslin the best however are beyond our means and we look and admire the old embroideries and silken scrolls delicate china and bronzes and ivories buying perhaps a trifle or two to remind you our dear ones at home to care for and pray for these faraway brothers of yours here is a sad enough curio an old bronze incense burner which a skilful hand has drawn for you it has been used many a time could it speak it might tell full many a tale and here are carved ivories or bones little things for balancing the pipe or pencil case which hangs from the broad black belt and is part of the gentleman's toilette will you think of it as you look at them these things were wrought by men who never once heard of the love of god never never once a tale has been told me worth passing on the indian tale of the buddha reset in the days of old japan he was a prince who had left all to win the great enlightenment after many adventures and trials he settled upon a mountain-top in a hut of grass through which the wind blew keenly sometimes when he had prayed most earnestly it breathed more softly he was very lonely his life was one long pain one day he heard a voice from the mountain gorge it was speaking holy words something told him this was the great enlightenment swiftly descending he found a fearsome fiend it was weary and hungry he promised it rest and food if once more it would speak the words which had thrilled his soul and it bargained thus the buddha must offer himself to be devoured and then it would speak again speak first and then i will willingly die so spake the buddha but the dragon was implacable first the sacrifice then the reward wide yawned its awful mouth in sprang the buddha it closed opened pale petals formed and the gentle one sat unharmed enthroned in a lotus flower a moment and he was gone the heavens had received him he had won the great enlightenment a strange old story and only a legend you say but to me it speaks of something most gloriously true for was not life's enlightenment won for us through death and from the tomb did not a lily blossom on the resurrection morning it touches us closely this thought of the life laid down 
poured forth upon the sacrifice and service the world is bright and beautiful but all through life i see a cross where sons of men yield up their breath there is no gain except by loss there is no life except by death there is no vision but by faith nor glory but by bearing shame nor justice but by taking blame and that eternal passion saith be emptied of glory and right and name this is a holy mountain in olden time five thousand buddhist temples were hidden away in its mighty woods three hundred years ago there was a general burning of the temples and massacre of the priests but new ones were built and to-day wander wherever you will crowning the grandest height nestling deep in the loveliest vale everywhere always is the visible symbol of heathendom audible too for ever and anon the tolling of the great bronze gong rings through the stately forests and echoes from peak to peak for this land is full of idols they worship the work of their own hands that which their own fingers have made and the glory of his majesty they do not know if you could travel across this beautiful isle of the sea and pass from town to town and village to village where there is no missionary if you could gaze upon the masses of satan-bound people hurrying on and on down and down you could see the hopeless faces hear the hopeless words feel the hopeless weight of an encompassing heathenism as even in four short months one has seen heard felt you too would feel as though spirit soul and body every particle of your nature were one great ache until one faces the thing in its totality one cannot half realize what is involved in being without hope in the world here are two pictures sketched for me this morning by one who knew whereof he spoke an old old man upon whose head the snows of time have fallen whose eyes are growing dim whose ears are growing dull whose heart has been for a long long time heavy with forebodings of what is surely creeping nearer nearer a strange voice speaks he listens old man death cannot be far away from you what about the future hear the answer ponder it till it means to you what it meant to him dark dark all dark a child a winsome little maiden life's glad springtide laughing through her sunshine falling on her way a shadow chills her she is sick dies the priest comes chants prays then with extended arms cries go away away the spirit flies into the great unknown a friendless little stranger embarked on a long journey it's born who knows where the father speaks and fathers in japan dearly love their little ones she is gone gone forever we shall never see her more without hope in the world oh if but one drop from the ocean of heathendom as it is undiluted unidealized could be microscope caught in some great lantern slide and flung in all its loathsome vividity upon the sheet if but one note from the grief chorus which rises day and night for half the world is macedon could be telephoned across and sounded through the hall while with bated breath you listened i think you would hardly leave that missionary meeting saying how nice it was and how much you had enjoyed it oh one longs for anything to disturb the peaceful slumbers of his daughters who are at ease anything to wake up his soldiers who are off duty to the intensity the urgency of the need the night is far spent the day is at hand our master our king may soon be here and what will he say when he comes end of chapter six recording by expatriate in bangor maine